Thank you, Brad, and uh, our instrumentalist today for leading us in worship. The text today is found in John chapter 10. We'll be looking at verses 10 and 11. John chapter 10, verses 10 and 11. It's one of my favorite verses that's one that I often uh, pray. Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and have it to its full. That's his desire for us. I, I think if we get this, if we really get the intent of this verse, it changes our whole outlook on life. Why did Jesus come? That's the title of the message. He proclaims, I have come that you might have life and have it to its full. An extraordinary life, an abundant life. A life that you cannot dream of on your own. This life comes when we surrender to the will of the Father. When we say yes to Jesus. Jesus says to us today, I have come. The reason I came to you as a babe in a manger was so that you might have life and have it to its full. Let me ask you a question. Who is your favorite teacher? Who is that favorite significant adult in your life who had a major impact on your life? Your favorite coach, Sunday school teacher, pastor, parent, grandparent? Who is that person who has had the greatest influence on your life? And then why? Why did that person have such an influence? If we're honest with ourselves, it's probably because they were for you. They cared about you. They took an interest in you. They wanted the very best for you. Pastor Howard Rickey was my pastor growing up. I came to the church in my junior year of high school. I didn't even know what Nazarenes were. I wasn't sure if Nazarenes were a cult. I'm not sure who these people are that worship at this church there in Xenia, Ohio, but uh, the girl that I was dating, she went to that church, and so I started going and was attracted to the church and heard the Word of God preached. It wasn't long before I became a Christian and was a part of the Church of the Nazarene. But this pastor took an interest in me. He really didn't care anything about gymnastics. He liked football and basketball, but because I was a gymnast, he knew it. And he would ask me, how was competition this week? How did practice go? He, he took an interest in me. He was for me. If there was a single adult that I could pick out, and there were many over the years, it was this pastor. When I accepted Christ, he was there. When I felt a call to ministry, he was there. He was for me. Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and have it to its full. I think when we get it, when we understand what God wants for us, it changes everything for us. You see, it draws us to him. It draws us to a life of service, a life of sacrifice, a life of surrender because we understand his ways are better than our ways and we trust him we don't always understand him 
but we trust Him because we know He's for us. Because He has proclaimed it to us. I have come that you might have life and have it to its full. During our adult Christmas musical, uh, we had a lot of different visitors that came. Sunday night, it was amazing. And I bet only 20% of the congregation, with the exception of our choir, um, was from our local church. Mainly visitors and guests and friends. It was exciting. It was in a dynamic time. And, and two young ladies who came, a junior in high school and a senior in high school, came because, well, they wanted to hear their favorite teacher sing, Carrie Weishart. And I talked to them for a little while, and I said, why, why do you like Carrie so much? And their simple answer was, because she's for us. She loves her students. She cares about her students. And because of that love, because of that passion that God has put in her heart, she was in November uh, NBC 33's Teacher of the Month. And we kind of celebrated that together. Well, when God is for you, it not only changes you, but it begins to change how you impact the lives of others around you. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it to its full. One of the things that breaks my heart as a pastor, and I often get ringside seats for these things, is watching people make decisions that you know are not in their best interest. You know, it will undermine their ability to experience life and experience it to its full. Decisions that are based upon self-centeredness, what I want. Decisions that are often made without considering the big picture. Seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, what He wants. And so often those decisions lead to heartache and Financial difficulties, difficulties in life. And we often say to ourselves as pastors, as the church of Christ, as family members in the body of Christ, oh, there's trouble on the horizon. I, I watch couples as they talk and have conversations with one another and how they treat one another. And the animosity that is shared between them. And I see that there's trouble on the horizon. It's like a cancer that is eroding away at their relationship. They don't even know how to get back to that place where they truly love one another. For their relationship has been broken by sin. As pastors, oftentimes we want to give advice. We want to step into the situation advise and counsel and and yet over the years I've learned that unsolicited advice is rarely welcomed and almost never appreciated. So all you can do as a pastor is pray. Lord, I pray for this young couple. I, I see them pursuing so many different interests and not pursuing you. And you pray. You see, your husband or your wife is not the enemy. The evil one is the enemy. Ephesians 5, 2, it's two, Ephesians 5, 28, it says, In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. 
He who loves his wife loves himself. You see, the two have become one flesh. We are one. So why aren't we building one another up? Why aren't we taking the opportunity, every opportunity we have, to build one another up in love and good deeds? It's because of our self-centeredness. We keep getting in the way. My selfishness, my selfish attitude. I want what I want. You watch parents become so focused on making a living, so preoccupied with having the trappings of success that they miss the fullness that God intended for them. Why? Because of their self-centeredness. Their desires to do what is right, and yet... And we have to be careful, don't we? That we do not allow our natural selves to control and to keep us from the fullness of God. Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and have it to its full. Jesus also said, this life is full of troubles. In this life, you will have trouble. Trouble is unavoidable. Hardness, difficulty, brokenness comes to all of us. So why will we build upon the troubles that we will face? With unavoidable, with avoidable troubles. So why with all the unavoidable troubles in this life, why in this world will we create more troubles for ourselves? See, my heart breaks when I see people who make decisions that ultimately undermine their ability to find fulfillment in life. Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and have it to its full. Extraordinary life. Life beyond average. Abundant life. Jesus says in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. It's hard for us to comprehend that kind of love. The love of a father who would send his one and only son to pay the price to lay down his life for you and for me. And yet Christ came so that you might have life and have it to its full. This is a prayer that I pray often. John 10.10 But I rarely mention the first part of that verse where it says the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, when we look at this scripture, we're, we often think, well, it's the evil one. He's talking about the devil here. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Of course, Jesus is giving a parable, and the parable was about a shepherd and a sheep, and, and the shepherd is willing to lay down his life. He actually builds a pen for the sheep, and they come in at night, and he lays in the, in the gate, and so that the sheep, to get out, would have to go over the shepherd. And so he takes care of his sheep, and he lays down his life, literally, physically. They understood this. The shepherd lays in that gate, and Jesus is our shepherd. And he lays down his life for you and for me, that we might have life to its full. 
But the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Let me ask you a question. Who is it that's in this room that has the greatest potential, the greatest capacity to steal your future, to kill a relationship, to destroy your life? If you're honest with yourself, you would have to say it's the person I see every day in the mirror. It's myself. You see, we have the greatest capacity to still kill and destroy our life. The answer is the same for all of us. We all have this potential. The reality is we can be our own worst enemy. We have the capacity to undermine our own happiness, to undermine our own ability to have the fullness of life. And here's how I know it. Because you bought it. You charged it. Christmas season. Probably charged more than you meant to. Now, some of you, if you've gone through financial peace, you've gotten over that habit. You've cut up those cards. Debbie and I have done that. We keep our cards, but, but we pay cash for everything these days. So we don't have a bondage that that causes us would have otherwise. You bought it. You charged it. You leased it. You ate it, you drank it. How many of you have made a decision that you later regretted? How many of you made a purchase that you later regretted? I really didn't need that vehicle. I could have stayed with that older vehicle. It would have have carried me through. I wouldn't have felt this burden of this monthly payment. It stretches us beyond what we can afford. You leased it, you ate it, you drank it, you smoked it, you dated it, and you married it. (laughs) The reality is, every one of us, we are the common denominator in every decision in life. As As much as we would like to blame someone else, the realities come that we make choices. Oh, the evil one is the tempter. He's the one that calls us to those poor choices, when by our own evil desires we are dragged away and enticed, James says. But we are the one who chooses. And Jesus says the thief is the one who comes into your life to steal something, to steal your future, to kill something, to kill a relationship. You see, sin creates brokenness. And one of the reasons that relationships are broken because of self centeredness it's all about me and we will never have the fullness of that god desires for us if it's always all about you but jesus said i have come i have come that you might have life and have it to its full extraordinary life life beyond the average Abundant life. Not without hardship, not without trials, not without the realities of life and death in this world, but life full because of the presence of a living God who's for you. God is for you. Now, this is important. Are you listening? 
if someone is willing to lay down their life for you, they are for you. And my God, my God is for you. And when you get that, it changes everything. You see, we begin to trust. I don't understand, Lord, but I trust you. We begin to hope. For our hope is not in our circumstances, but our hope is in the Lord. We begin to be comforted, and we are then comforters because of the comforter is in us. You see, there's a sharp contrast between the thief that comes to kill, steal, and destroy, and Jesus, who is our good shepherd. You see, we have this quest to, for fulfillment in life. What is my purpose? Why was I created? Why, why am I here? Why do I exist? What, what, what is the reason that I'm here? We have this quest to know. and Why? Why? So we seek out things. And we say things like, I wish I had that. I wish I looked like that. I wish I could fit into those. We think, if I had that guy's house, and if I looked like that guy, if I drove that guy's car, if I had that guy's family and that guy's education, we take the composite of all these highlights that we see on Facebook, And suddenly, we feel very unfulfilled. We compare our life to the highlights of those around us, a composite of those around us, and we find that there's never enough to really fill us up. I'm all about self-improvement. I'm all about exercise and discipline. My life has been... One of self-improvement, exercise, and education, and, and discipline. But when you become consumed with you, no matter how much progress you make, you will never be filled. You will continue to be unfilled. You see, you cannot acquire, consume, or exercise your way to fulfillment. Why? Because that's not why we were created. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. You see, we were created to serve one another. We weren't created to be self-centered. We were created to be self-lust. As Jesus came and he said, I am for you, and he lays down his life for us. Well, before he gave his life, he washed his disciples' feet. And he said, as I have done unto you, do unto one another. And we are instructed to love one another, to give to one another. You see, it's in the one another's that we find fulfillment in this life. Let me give you a few of those one another's. Love one another. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another. You see, it's hard for us to really do that in our own strength. Because we're self-centered. It's, it's our nature. 
And so we need Jesus to be Lord of our lives so we can love one another, honor one another, care for one another, accept one another, instruct one another, serve one another, in humility, love one another, submit to one another, encourage one another, spur one another on in love and good deeds. We are to one another, one another. (laughs) But we cannot do it in our own strength. But when we come to grasp with who God is in our life, that He is for us, it changes everything. Selfishness comes naturally. But selfishness was not God's divine intent for us. Selflessness Selfishness is is the result of brokenness. Selfishness is the result of brokenness. It's the result of sin, and sin separates us. Sin breaks at our relationships. The Apostle Paul in Galatians 5, 19 puts it this, this way. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Look, if we're honest, we, we know we know right from wrong. If we're really honest, the, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Romans 1, 19 and 20 says it this way, and this is a paraphrase. God has written his laws upon our hearts so that all men are without excuse. The acts of the flesh are obvious. But we live in a day and an age where it's not so obvious, is it? Where immorality has become the norm. More than not. Where it's difficult for young people to know the difference between right and wrong. And that's why we need to know the word of God. And why we need to hide its word in our heart. If you read the rest of Romans 1, 19, the rest of that verse, you'll read about how God has given us over to a depraved mind. Immorality consumes society in our world. And what God has written upon our hearts, if we're not careful, we can ignore and miss what God intended for us. You see, He came that we might have life and have it to its full, but the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual morality, impurity, debauchery. And that simply means uh, excessive sexual behavior. Idolatry, which is basically asking the gods to do our bidding. I'm afraid that... Far too often in our society today, people who consider themselves to be Christian, who call themselves to be Christians, treat God as if He's a Santa Claus. The only time we talk to God is when we need something. The only time we go to God is when there's trouble. Lord, if you'll do this, I'll do this. And we begin to make bargains with God. And yet it's when we come to Him and say, Jesus Be Lord of my life. I surrender all. Only then do we understand who God is and understand the power of God in our lives. When we have a relationship with Him and we say, Lord, I want you to be the head, the master, the Lord. I don't want to just serve you today on Sunday, but I want to serve you every day. I want to live for you. 
I want you to take every thought captive. I want your way and your will in my life. I understand, God, you want the very best of me. I understand you are for me. I get it. And I surrender. For you're for me. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And here's the synopsis of these verses. It's pleasure at someone else's expense. You see, when you give in to your self-centeredness, when you do what you want because that's your nature, you're doing it at someone else's expense. Someone always pays, even if you're never caught, even if it's done in secret. Someone pays. Even if no one ever holds you accountable, there's a price. When we give in to our natural inclinations, even when you get away with it. You see, because sin separates. And because sin separates, even though no one else knows, you know. And it causes a fracture in the relationship between God and you, between you and those around you. Because sin separates. But the scripture goes on to say, but the fruit of the Spirit. And I want you to look at the contrast here between the flesh and the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You see, when you decide to make Jesus Lord of your life, when you get it, I have come that you might have life and have it to its full. And you get off the throne and you say, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. Jesus, would you take charge? I surrender all. Then he replaces the lust of the flesh. He replaces the flesh with his spirit. And he gives us his joy, his peace, his patience, his kindness, his goodness, his gentleness, his self-control. And here's one of the most amazing statements in all the scriptures. Against such things there is no law. Imagine a family... Characterized by the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Imagine a family characterized by those things. A community characterized by those things. There would be no need for a law. And Christ and Paul here is inviting us to live by the Spirit. It may not be intuitive to surrender. 
But it's in surrender that we find the fulfillment that God desires for those for us. Verse 24 says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have been crucified, have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. As you move into the year 2016, I want to say to you, why did Jesus come? He came that you might have life and have it to its full. How do you find that fullness that God intends for you to have? You find it by a life surrendered. You see, you're selfish. It's your nature. And until you crucify that nature, nature and allow Christ to replace it with his fruit, where you say, Jesus, I'm tired. I'm tired of running this ship. I'm tired of trying to do this on my own. Be Lord of my life. It's then and only then that we understand the fullness that God intended for us. Brad is going to come and lead us in the song, I Surrender All. And we don't have altars up here this morning. Um, I'm going to ask you to stand in a moment, but um, you can stand. But if you want to come forward and just stand here and just proclaim, I surrender all. I, I've been a Christian for a long time. But I have to be honest, every now and then I kind of take the reins back and I miss the opportunities that are mine. I fight, but I should surrender. But today I, I surrender all. Maybe you're new to the Christian walk and you've never come to that place of saying, Lord, I asked you in my heart my life, but I want you to be Lord. I want you to be in total control. And I commit everything, hands down. My past, my present, my future, everything. And I surrender all to you. You can do that where you stand this morning. If you want to come forward, you can pray that prayer here. And we're going to have a word of prayer together as we close and move into the year 2016. Let me pray with you before we sing. Lord, we're listening. Lord, we ask for forgiveness for our self-centeredness. For any time we might miss the opportunity that you have provided for us because we are so worried about us. Help me to get it. Help me to understand that you're for us. And you've come that we might have life and have it to its full. Help me to live a surrendered life today. If that's your prayer, I want everyone to stand, but if that's your prayer, we're going to sing that song together and then we're going to close with a word of prayer.